I think, okay, am I willing to lose followers? Do I, am I so excited about this idea that I want to put it out there and I don't even mind that I'm going to lose followers for it? And if the answer is yes, then that is like, I know like, okay, I really want to make it badly. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Today, we have a guest that I am honored to call a friend because she is insanely creative, but also uh, an amazing uh, entrepreneur. So welcome, Karen. Hi, Tina. How are you? Hi. Good, good. So I'm so happy to have you on here because I know you don't do interviews easily or frequently, so <laughs> I really appreciate your time here. Anything for so, you, Dina. <laughs> Can you um, maybe just give us a brief intro, like a two sentence of like what you do and who you are? Sure. Um, so I, I'm Karen X Chang. I make creative videos and I share them uh, mostly on Instagram. And um, I've been also making viral videos for quite some time now, about 10 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And Karen is based in San Fran, right? You're based in San Fran? Yep. I'm in San Francisco. Yeah, um, you said ten years ago you made um, started making viral videos. I actually I've told you about this before, but I had followed you for many many months before I realized that I had actually seen your viral videos a long time ago, and mm -hmm. it left such an impression on me that I searched your other interviews that you did online, and then I listened to you talk about what goes into like virality and how to get it distributed in media and all of that. So I was so impressed at the time, but I didn't even make the connection that this was like the Karen that I connected with Instagram. <laughs> so that was a really cool moment. And hopefully we can get into that. Yeah. I know that your first video was, is this actually, correct me if I'm wrong, was your first video the video that you made when you left Microsoft? That's right. Oh, okay. Can you tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. it? Um, so the first viral video I ever made was uh, an accident. I didn't plan for this to go viral. Um, I was working for Microsoft um, uh, on the Excel team, and I had been there for three years, and then I was like rebellious in my early 20s, and when I quit, I decided to quit with a song. But the song was nice, so there was nothing like rude or mean in the song, but still, you know, I like quit with a song. And so, and I posted on YouTube, and if you if you look up like Microsoft employee quits with song. I saw it. Yeah, <laughs> you'll see. It's it's a kind of bland video, but like, yeah, it went viral because the headline was really good. Microsoft employee quits with song, and um, that was the first time that something went viral, and I really got to see how like news headlines spread, and I thought it was mm -hmm. so interesting. It was also kind of terrifying because I felt like I was now like most well known for being a quitter, but it was very interesting to me, and so. Um, I then decided to try to make a viral video on purpose um, and then have kind of been doing it ever since ever since then. Yeah, actually, I was curious, did you upload it to YouTube and that's how it went viral or did people around your company share it? And then it went uh, viral? Yes, so I uploaded it to YouTube and then I sent, you know, when people quit companies, they send like a like an email saying like it's like a, le a letter of res resignation. Yeah, I just sent a YouTube link. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess you didn't get it okayed before you uh, uploaded it, I did, did you? I did not get No, definitely not. I did not get Hopefully there were no it. repercussions on that. No, I mean, I was quitting anyway. That's true. That's true. Good point. <laughs> and then after that, did you just kind of find it really interesting and then embark on this journey to create more viral videos? It was just a side hobby. It was like I, I yeah. went and got another job uh, as a designer. I didn't think much of it. I think I was just having fun. And then I was like learning how to dance. And then I was like, oh, let me record this. Let me see if I can make this go viral. It was just like for fun. Um, and then I was making it for fun for years and never considered that it could be a career. Because back then, it was like 2013, 2014, yes. influencer was not a career then. It was traditional media, like the, the yeah. definition of viral was like getting on TV or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I thought that was such a relatable video because I also used to dance. And so this title just caught my attention immediately. And I was like, oh, it's and it was um, a girl learns how to dance, was it? Yeah, not like an Asian girl. But I just recall very clearly that it was like an Asian girl. And I was like, oh, this is very relatable for me as well. So how did you come up with that title? Like a girl learns to dance versus any other title that you experimented with? Yeah, I thought a lot about the title. I think like one mistake people make is they sometimes try to make their titles too artistic. So, you know, it could have been like journey of dance. Yeah. Or, you know, you know what I mean? It could have been like a more artistic name, but I think the best names are like the way that someone would describe it to a friend. And yeah, so it'd be yeah. like, oh, did you see this video of that girl who learned how to dance in a year? Yes. And then I'm like, I was 23, but like I looked, I looked pretty young. So I was like, well, I'm not going to call. I, I usually now refer to myself as a woman, but like in the title, yeah. I was like, I'm just going to say girl learns to dance in a year, not woman learns to dance in a year because that's awkward. Right. And then, right. and then I also was like, well, I don't want to say Asian girl learns to dance in a year because I don't want it to be about me being Asian. I just mm -hmm. want it just to be like descriptive for what it is. Um, and that turned out to be a really good headline. Um, so I used to, um, in 2014, the way to make a video go viral, which is not how you do it today, but back then the way you did it was you would think of like a headline that would be really good because the way uh, videos would go viral is that you could email reporters mm -hmm. and you don't have to know the reporters. You could just literally like scrape their emails, cold email them, um, and then, um, get them to write about it. And you can get them to write about it if your video has a really good headline. So I always thought in terms of like, okay, what is going to be a good headline? Right. That's why I was um, thinking like, oh, that's a third person title, like a girl versus I learned to dance in a year. And that yeah. probably also makes it easier for people to put themselves in your shoe and imagine that they are you or that they can yes. learn something in one year as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's a great point. I think since we're on this topic, I'd love to like kind of break down what kind, what usually goes into virality and things, content pieces that go viral. So that was one of them, like relatability, but also the, the relatability makes it really easy for people to put themselves in your shoe or um, envision something that, that they can understand. And so that's one thing about going viral. And then is there some other aspects of going viral that you pay a lot of attention to? Is it like the first few seconds or is it like really fast paced videos? Yeah, so it's really different now than it used to be. So it used to be gatekeeped by reporters and media. So you had to write a good headline, but now mm -hmm. it's determined by the algorithm and it's yeah. determined by, well, it's not determined by the algorithm. It's determined by how the algorithm interprets people's behavior of your video. So yes, yes. how long are they watching it is the biggest one. 
Um, you know this, you teach all this in your, in your course. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I do try to hit certain things. So I try to make the first second or two eye catching or curiosity provoking. Yeah. Um, and then I also try to make sure it doesn't look too professionally shot. If I'm making something that is professionally shot, I open it up with like crappy iPhone footage first. That's such a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, now music is really important. Yes. Um, and so, then hitting certain emotions also. Yes. So the high quality thing is very interesting, actually. I feel like before probably 2020, 2019, there was such a focus uh, on social media on making everything look very glitz and glam and yes. high quality and well-produced and speed ramp and all of that kind of stuff. And now it's the complete opposite. And I think that also plays into that whole relatability, right? It's like anyone can look at Karen's videos on, especially on Instagram and be like, oh, I can create that too. And so that kind of mold, you kind of molded that into what you're known for um, creating low budget, achievable, but really, really cool and creative short form video. Yeah, you know, that's, it's funny because it's always been my interest. Like I've always enjoyed making kind of crappy looking things. But that we're strong on the idea because then the video right. is about the idea. It's not about like the other things. Yes. And also I'm not good at making things look visually beautiful. That's, I've just never been good at that. Um, and so, but then once I started to try to take my career more, more seriously, I was like, okay, I need to get better at like making my stuff look beautiful and professional. Mm. So I went down this like whole path of like trying to make things look visually beautiful and now I've like come full circle because I'm like, well, now that I'm here, like that stuff doesn't even perform perform well anymore anyway. So I might as well just yeah. make like the crappy looking version that I wanted to make in the first place. Yeah. Wow. What a change. But you still collaborate with a lot of really talented people who can bring that high touch feel when you need to, let's say yes. when it's for a brand deal. Yes, because I still, here's the thing like about my style is it's very inconsistent. So sometimes mm-hmm. I like making stuff that's like on my phone. And sometimes I like making stuff that looks more visually beautiful. And it's just based on the concept, like what does it desire? And so when I make something more visually beautiful, oftentimes for a brand, I'm doing it knowing that that's actually going to hurt the performance of the video on social media, but doing yes. it anyway, because that's what I want the video to be. And Mm -hmm. I always am thinking about, okay, how does my work look in my feed as, or on my grid as like a portfolio? Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to show like, okay, I can do these different styles. What I thought was also really interesting is watching your Adobe series about how you grew to a million followers. Um, I actually got to saw the original script of what you were going to say in the video. And, you know, if you look at the video, you would never think that this girl like scripted everything and asked (laughs) multiple different creators (laughs) to look over it and leave, you know, Google Doc notes for her. And I left like a couple notes myself. And so Karen actually sent out this document and got a ton of like creators to give her feedback. And then when the final result came out, I thought it was going to be like this full production video and then cut at the right places, no ums and ahs. But it actually turned out to be kind of like a casual selfie conversation video. And I thought that was very, very interesting. And in my mind, I was like, this is probably intentional, (laughs) right? Yeah, I don't think people realize the amount of prep that I put into a lot of my videos because I try to make it look like there wasn't that much prep that went into it. But I'm I'm honest about it. So like if you go on my stories, I'll share like, okay, this took this many hours and this is like all the stuff that I did that went into it. 
Um, or if you read my captions, I'm usually pretty upfront about like the work that went into it because I think it's important for people to see. But like, yeah, I mean, if you look at the series, it's on my Reels page. Um, it's uh, how I grew to 1 million followers. It's a bunch of ca casual selfie videos. And like, yeah, it was scripted out in like a 20 page document that had feedback from like 10 of my friends. Um, and a lot of prep went into it. But uh, I I've gotten good at like going off of a script, but making it making it feel like I'm just reading off, like I'm just thinking yeah. of stuff off the cuff, but it's totally like read. <laughs> I thought that was great. It was just very, it makes the final result very approachable, but then everything is very logically um, and yeah. Uh, how do I say emotionally very well laid out even for in terms of like marketing it makes people want to watch the next series and leaves a little bit of cliffhanger and that's all very intentional which I love when I like I see all of your new work yeah a lot of preparation and strat and preparation and thought about marketing goes into everything that I yes. put out <laughs> a lot of hours go into every video that I put out let's just say yeah, there was another example when you sent me two videos and it was an, an instructional video of how to create this um, very creative like 360 video maybe with using a fan. And then one was without voiceover and the other one was with voiceover. Mm -hmm. And immediately I was like, do the one with voiceover. You were right. And that, that went so viral, right? That was my most viral video uh, oh, ever wow. on Instagram. That was, um, so that video, uh, it's a... Uh, like creative shots with household objects yes. before I released that video I remember feeling like really bad about it because I was looking at the shots and I just didn't think that they looked that good really yes and I was like this is really not my best work I feel like I'm like declining in I feel like I'm not doing my best work I'm not improving myself but I have to release this because it's a client project for Adobe. So it's like, I'm committed to release this. And if it was, if it had been a personal project, I might have just decided to like cut it. I might've decided I'm not going to wow. release it. And then um, it ended up performing far, far better than I expected. Um, this video netted me 300,000 followers on Instagram. Damn. Which was, that would yeah. have been the difference between 700,000 followers and a million. That's correct, because I'm at a million <laughs> followers and I've not grown since I passed a million. So uh. that's incredible. <laughs> and before we talk about how you amassed this following, you also mentioned one thing. It was um, the viral, the virality, like how you get people to feel certain emotions. Um, what kind of emotions do you usually look to invoke in the people watching your videos? Yeah, um, well, I'll say one that works really well that I don't think I'm very good at, which is humor. I've noticed that if you are funny or if you can think of some funny like punchline at the end of your videos, those videos do yeah. so, so, so well. That's um, true. So if you're good at being funny, like use that. Um, yeah. I, I use that. I the way that I use being funny oftentimes is a lot of times I, my behind the scenes is kind of funny looking like it's just like comical to see me how I get the shot so it's a sort of funny element but it's not I'm like I'm not like a comedian I try to hit the like wow emotion and this is what a lot of like filmmakers videographers photographers do and the way you can hit it is you start the video off looking not impressive so you start the yeah. video off looking like, oh, it's just some behind the scenes that feels random and not that impressive. And then you time it to the music. And then at the drop of the beat, -na 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 -na, boom, you're on that beat. Then you drop yes. like the result and you make it look as good as possible in comparison to your behind the scenes. You make it look bad. 
And so you, the reason that works is because you're taking the viewer on an emotional arc. So you start them off low and then you hit them high. And whereas if you just show the result, that video rarely performs as well, unless you are like insanely talented in that way. Um, So I always, uh, my videos always perform better when I start off with behind the scenes because it creates that emotional arc. Yes, it's that contrast between like casual and then the really cool result, like the wow moment. That's actually something that I really emphasize inside um, one of my programs, the Reels Rocketship program. I'm like, you need to show the contrast, either it's before or after of the BTS or the final result, but also match it well to the beat exactly like you said, and really give people that wow factor. I almost, I believe that even more than humor, that com- that gets you views, but also converts people to yes. follows even more than humor or something just purely relatable. Uh, maybe like lifestyle, you know, mommy lifestyle yes. or something. Because you are showing people, I think you're giving some someone some really interesting information. They're like, oh, yeah. that's how they got that? And oh, I can see that she's literally just using her phone and all natural light. I have my phone. I have natural light. I guess I could try this. If I were to sum it up, I would say like going forward in 2022, even more than before, it's really important to impress people or be helpful to them. Like those are the two core converters compared to everything else that is just pure entertainment. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, so now I would love to kind of talk about your um, transition from being like a video producer to becoming more of an influencer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know before you started to really focus on growing on Instagram, which is only like two, three years ago, right? Two years. That's crazy. You were uh, running your own media company? I had uh, an agency, so well, a very small agency. So what I did was I had made these viral videos like 10 years ago. And then um, like six years ago, I decided I was going to try to make money by doing this. And at that time, influencing wasn't like much of a career. And I didn't think I, I also didn't think I could be an influencer for a very long time. And so yeah. I was like, well, let me start a video production company instead. So I had a video production company where I would like, and I live in San Francisco. So I would pitch like startups that are in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area and, and like make their startup launch videos for them. And so I had a small company and I had four employees and we would do this. And I actually found it to be extraordinarily stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then now, and I changed and now I'm an influencer. And I got to say- Was it enjoyable though when you were creating those projects? It was until I had employees. And then the stress oh, of the I employees see. crushed me. Yeah. Wow, wow. And so then from there, you kind of wanted to pivot. So you focused on social media. And was Instagram just the obvious choice because it's short form video, which I guess was something that you were or have already mastered? Instagram was not obvious because I originally was optimizing for YouTube. <sighs> and then what happened was Facebook kind of like broke the model of being able to make go viral on YouTube through reporters. So then I was making viral videos on Facebook. And then... I was doing that and then Facebook changed their algorithm and then mm. I I have gotten videos on Facebook with with over 50 million views before on a single video and wow. then their algorithm changed and like my videos were not going viral and then I used to even brand myself as like we make viral videos like that was the tagline of my agency and like that wasn't working anymore yeah I was like oh crap wow so I was sort of stuck I was like I can't use I can't brand myself this way anymore and then one day I was scrolling on Instagram and I saw these like incredibly creative people doing 
brand work, the exact kind that I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm an idiot. Like I've ignored Instagram this whole time, this whole time. This is in 2019, by the way. It's like, I've been ignoring Instagram this whole time. I'm an idiot. And now I'm so behind. And everyone I talk to on Instagram is like, oh, it used to be easy to grow. Now it's hard. Now it's impossible. And I'm like, yeah, well, I missed the boat. Can you kind of tell us your growth trajectory from 2019 till now on Instagram? So the first six months was difficult. It was like, I think I managed to go from like 3,000 followers to 10,000 followers. And it was every like 100 followers was very difficult to get. And I was like working very hard to try to get these followers. And then um, I was doing a lot of experimentation to figure out how to grow. There was one video that I made that was like a compilation of my other videos that went viral. I mean, I submitted it to Reddit. I managed to get it on the Reddit front page. Wow. I managed to get 9gag to repost it. And then I went from 15,000 followers. And then I woke up the next morning and I had 80,000. And I wow. was like, I was just looking at that number in like disbelief. I was like, is this a bug? Because yeah. 9gag reposted me overnight, like while I was asleep. Wow. So I was, so there was no, like, I didn't know that it hit, had dropped. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Oh my God. And then <laughs> after like two or three days, I think I ended up having a hundred. 50,000 followers. So going from yeah. 15,000 to 150,000 overnight was like, oh, I guess I'm an influencer now. Because it was never mm-hmm. my goal to, um, it was my goal to grow on Instagram to get to like mm-hmm. 20K just so I could work with some brands and have a little yeah. bit of legitimacy. But yeah. I never thought that I would be able to like literally charge for my audience. That was yeah, never for my your goal. personal brand. Right. Yes, and yes. then it just happened overnight. And I was like, I think I can actually charge like an influencer charges now. Yeah. Well, when was the point where you were like, oh, this is actually uh, probably potentially a way better path to go on versus like charging brands for just video production? Oh, man. Um, Okay. So I, after my first few projects that I got as an influencer, I would like send them the video and they would be like, oh, you know, we just have, sorry, we just have like a, a bit of feedback. And I'm like, Bracing myself, ready for the feedback, you know, ready to like recut things, reissue things, re-edit things, because that's what I'm used to. Like, oh, we just have a bit of feedback. Do you mind just changing the hashtag on the caption? <laughs> like, oh, wow. You got it. You that's got hilarious. it. And, and to this day, when I send something to a client, <laughs> if any client's listening, sorry. But um, <laughs> to this day, when I send something to a client, I will have something in the caption that they might not like. Mm-hmm. Just so they can have something to be like, oh, we want to change some, just to give them the opportunity to give them feedback to change something because I would really rather them want to change the caption than my video. Wow. Okay. That just kind of blew my mind, but <laughs> I'm just not going to linger on that in case you have clients listening. Oh, it's <laughs> but okay. It's genius. <laughs> I'm going to put typos in all my captions from now on. <laughs> well, I don't put typos. I just put something that's like maybe right. not entirely, yeah. maybe like a little slightly controversial, but it might they might let it slide they might not and I just give them like something that they could sort of and I'll adjust it for them yeah um that's so interesting because you pointed out something uh, really really pertinent right now is that when you are a video producer you are producing for the client you're producing for their brand and so everything has to fit perfectly into their company brand 
However, yes. when you build your personal brand and you have a critical following, they are tapping into your audience. It's no longer a, they hire you exclusively to do stuff yes. for them. It's more like a collaboration, a co cooperation. And so they have to respect your creative freedom as well. That's what, that's what I love is yeah. that when you are a video production company, you, your creative freedom does not matter. In fact, if you are like, well, this is my creative freedom, you are seen as unprofessional. You're seen mm. as a diva. You, wow. this is, that's not how you do work. Yeah, yeah. But as an, as a creator, as an influencer, your creative freedom is of utmost importance and everyone understands that. Yes. And everyone understands that because you, you're posting it on your page. So it's got to reflect your creative vision. And so I think the biggest thing is like the transitioning from being hired as a marketer before to now being hired as an artist now. I gotta say, like the the best perk, like beyond the money, I think, is the fact that you have creative freedom. Is yes. really that like you can make what you want, and as long as it's like not brand inappropriate, nine times out of ten, the client feedback is minimal, if anything. Yes. And you get to post your own creative vision. Like, what more can you want? Yeah, it's a win-win-win situation. Everybody wins. Audience wins with like, seeing your content. You win with your creative freedom and the brand wins by just everything. Brand awareness and conversion and all of that. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this interview so far. If you're a visual learner like me, then you'll love watching these episodes on our YouTube channel. In addition to our weekly video podcasts with amazing guests, I also post YouTube videos and shorts dissecting the creator economy and sharing social media tips as well as my life as a content creator. Head to the Tina Lee official YouTube channel to watch now and don't forget to subscribe. So after you got to 150, from there, was it the next level? Was it reels that helped to propel more of your growth afterwards? So, so after 150, after I got to 150k followers, I was basically like, okay, I'm done. Like I, that was so hard. Can you get. believe it? <laughs> that was so hard to get to 150k followers. Like I'm not gonna be able to do that again. I'm not gonna be able to continue to grow. So I'm just going to be like really happy that I got to 150K. Um, and then like it was just sort of like it slowly crept upwards and it slowly got to 200 and it slowly got upwards. At that time, reels didn't exist yet. So mm -hmm. I was getting I was growing my page by getting reposted on bigger pages. And then it was slowly crept upwards. And then uh, reels came out. And I think I was at around 300K followers when reels came out. Yes. Um, and I had a few viral reels where like a single viral reel could bring in 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 followers. Yes. Yes. And then I remember I kind of got acquainted with you somewhere between 300 to 500 and I would see your growth. And then suddenly I just woke up one day and it was like, she's at a million. Actually, I saw the growth day by day and I was like, <laughs> one day you grew like, I think it was 150,000 in one day. And I was yeah. like, what the hell is going on? And <laughs> it's so crazy. But it's probably the most amazing growth I've seen in one day. It was, uh, well, I know people who have grown faster. But, really? Um, yes. Uh, but for me, that was absolutely crazy. And um, when you're like, <sighs> okay, so for me, just to give people context, like, Growing is still hard. Like, I actually yeah. generally lose a few hundred followers every day unless I'm doing something viral. Which is normal. And so, 
Yes, yes. Uh, every big account, every account over a million will probably lose a few hundred followers unless yeah. they are um, actively making videos that are making them grow. Um, if you're not posting, you'll probably be losing. Or if you're not posting viral stuff, you'll probably be losing followers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even now, like growing by a few thousand followers can be tough. Um, and so then for it to happen like 200K overnight was just like, you yeah. just feel like you skipped to the to the finish line. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but it was it was honestly the culmination of like so many different strategies that I've sort of experimented with um, uh, in combination with some luck that got there. That got there. Do you think that made a really critical difference for the brand deals that you got and just your career trajectory? The difference between five hundred k and a million? No, I don't think it made any difference. Okay, um, so I can never grow from here, and I'll be okay. <laughs> Yes, I, I, um, you know, from 500k to a million, I didn't see any meaningful, like, I was at 500k, I was already working with the brands that I wanted to. Yeah. And I fully believe that all the brands that I've gotten at 1 million, I could have gotten at 500k. Mm-mm-mm. I, I 100% believe that. Right. I also, you know, like, don't charge much more at 1 million than I did at 500k. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, f- it's mostly a vanity metric. Mm-hmm. Like, it, to me, I don't think it makes a huge business difference. Yeah, wow. That's really refreshing to hear, um, coming from someone with so much critical mass. Actually, you also mentioned this inside your Adobe video about how a lot of us are on social media in order to chase the follows and the reach and the likes. So all of the vanity metrics, basically. Um, but that it's it can be very disappointing when the vanity metrics don't reflect what we want or what we think we should get from the effort that we put in. So how did you struggle with that in the beginning um, versus now? And like, can you offer some advice on that? Yeah, constant struggle for me. I started off by just wanting to grow, I think, from a good place. So I think my motivation to grow was that I wanted to learn how to grow so that I could like teach my clients, like this is how you grow on Instagram. I see. So my place, so I wanted to grow from a place of like wanting to learn. And so I think that's why I was able to sustain it because it wasn't, I think if you're wanting to grow your numbers because you want to get some status from the number itself, it's like, it's almost like not motivating enough. Yeah. It's like, what what I mean by this? It's like, it's not enjoyable enough. Mm-hmm. It's not enjoyable to be, pers- to be pursuing this number so that you can prove yourself to other people. It's just like not fun. Yeah. But if you are able to find the fun in growing, so it's like, oh, I did this thing and it grew and that was cool and I tinkered and I'm experimenting and I'm learning along the way and I really enjoy learning. Like that's enjoyable enough to keep it going because there's so much that is unenjoyable about the process. <laughs> which is like making videos, them flopping, yeah. comparing yourself to others. Like there's yeah. so much that's unenjoyable about yeah. it. Yeah, that's definitely a, a good way to think about it. And also you said to to focus on what you can control. So you can control what type of content you put out and whether you keep improving and if you're happy with your creative content or not. But you can't necessarily control the algorithm or how much this one post will help you grow, etc. Or, or even if you grow at all. So yeah, that's yeah. a good focus. What kept happening to me was I would get really excited about a video. I'd be like, ooh, this is like a really unique idea. No one's ever done it. I'm so excited to post it. And I would like fantasize about like how much 
my followers would grow because of this and because it's like, I think this is better than the other stuff I've done. So therefore, I think I'm going to get more followers from it. And I just yes, paint yes. this picture in my mind of this <laughs> fantasy. Yes. And then I post it and it freaking tanks. Like it does yeah. worse. It performs worse than everything else. And you know, that, ha- that has happened to me many times. Yeah. Many times. And from doing that so many times, I've learned, okay, one, the stuff that I like the most is probably a good sign that it's going to perform the worst. So just be ready for that. Yeah. Um, and two, like, I can't keep measuring myself. I can't keep letting it ruin my day or my week that, like, my video flopped. Yeah. I have to, before now before I post a video, first of all, before I decide to make a video, I ask myself, would I want to make this and post it even if it meant that I will lose followers for it? Yes, yes, yes. And that, well, one, that stops me from making a video purely for the followers, which I have done many times before, okay? Yes. And sometimes you you need, sometimes you, you do it. We all sometimes do. it's the right thing <laughs> to do, okay? No judgment. I still will do it sometimes, but just know that that's what you're doing. Um, because if you're doing that, then the crushing disappointment of the video not going viral will be much deeper. So yes. just be prepared for that, okay? Yes. So I've done it before, I will do it again, but just know that that's what you're getting yourself into. But when I'm not doing that, I think, okay, am I willing to lose followers? Do I Am I so excited about this idea that I want to put it out there and I don't even mind that I'm going to lose followers for it? And if the answer is yes, then that is like, I know, like, okay, I really want to make it badly. Yes, yes, So then yes. I'll make it. And then before I post it, I remind myself, remember, you told yourself that you're willing to lose followers for this. You know, that, you know, you made this because you want to make it. And then I post it. And sometimes it does well and I gain followers. And sometimes it does poorly and I lose followers. Mm -hmm. But I will say the stuff that I'm really proud of that makes me lose followers, those videos, I actually get the most DMs from like creators I respect, from marketers I respect being like, oh my God, that was next level. Yeah, like yeah. those are the ones. So the the stuff that appeals to a massive a mass audience is not the same as the stuff that will appeal to creatives. Yeah, and other people like who who are more in your field. Yes. Um. So I've learned that there's many ways to measure your success, and I'll just take what I can get. You know, if the video gets a lot of views, I'll measure it on the views. If the video doesn't get a lot of views, I won't measure it on the views. I'll measure it on did I learn something. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I think there's a different um, strategy for each stage. Like if you're at a level where Karen is at, then it's really about, um, you know, um, getting to that next level in creativity or um, uh, showing what you're capable of as a creator. But I guess when you're starting out, if you're trying to grow like you were in the beginning, then it's Mm -hmm. a combination of both. You do stuff that is shareable, that is relatable, that has viral quality. And then you combine that with some that shows a deeper level of your creativity and your ability to produce work that really wows people. So different levels of combinations of all that stuff I completely agree it's easy for me to say now oh I don't worry about the followers now when I have a million followers but like at different points in my career I really optimized for growing followers more and I think like think about when you're putting out content think about the ratio so um maybe you're doing like you know two videos to try to gain followers for every one video that you're doing for yourself early on and then when you are later in career and you're happy with how many followers you have maybe you're doing you know, 10 videos for yourself and then only one video for the followers, you know, yeah. so your, your ratio is going to change, but yes. just know like the purpose of the, of the video that you're putting it out there for. Yeah. 
Last time we spoke, you mentioned something about um, some of the most successful creators on these platforms are people who can understand marketing and creativity and combine it and push it out so that other people can see it and want to follow. And that's kind of like the key combination. I kind of want to add one more aspect to that. It's uh, understanding marketing and psychology, having really awesome content or creative content, and then also having personality or the ability to motivate people and engage with people as a community or as a leader. However, you want to position yourself as a friend or as a leader. Um, and I think that is like the perfect trifecta if you're talking about super, super successful influencers. But then each person leans heavily towards one or uh, one or two aspects of this trifecta. So that's kind of what I deducted from from what you just said as well. Oh, okay. Which one would you say that I lean towards then? Definitely the creative side very heavily and also, but at the same time, very heavily on the marketing as well, mm-hmm. um, which I think you would agree. And I feel like that's kind of where we are similar. But for me, I, I feel like I'm a little less as focused on the creative relative to you because I still have more um, relatable, you know, pretty you do so much more content. On the side. Yeah. And so that's kind of like how I measure how people focus on different things. But understanding having at least two of the three is very important for success in this field. Um, So you did mention that um, you were able to see a lot of growth with Reels. Were you able to also repurpose that for TikTok or YouTube Shorts? And did you see much success there? Uh, I did for TikTok. I have not yet figured out YouTube Shorts. Um, I think YouTube Shorts is because I haven't been consistent. But here's what I did for TikTok. Um, so I've really struggled with TikTok for a long time Mm. and, um, it was just, TikTok was just sort of this thing where I would hear about it and I would just be annoyed because I couldn't seem to grow on it and everyone else was blowing up and I just couldn't seem to. Yeah. And I would have these videos that would go viral on Instagram that would get millions of views on Instagram. They would be number one on all of Reddit. So these were viral videos and then they wouldn't Mm. pick up on TikTok and I was so frustrated and I didn't understand why. And I was, tr- was trying to make videos to optimize for TikTok. Like I was trying to do the TikTok styles and everything. And it still wasn't working. And I find TikTok to be so difficult psychologically because of their hit or flop system. So mm-hmm. you can have a million followers on TikTok and you can post a video that only gets like 5,000 views. Yes, yes. Um, That's a flop. Or you can have, you know, 5,000 followers on TikTok and you can have a video that has 20 million views. You know, well, you won't be at 5,000 followers for long, but yeah. Um, it's a hit or flop system. And so the highs are much higher and the lows are much lower than on Instagram, which is much yeah. more evened out. Yeah, I find this to be really tough mentally. And so mm-hmm. for me to put a bunch of effort into a video and have it flop so hard was like very hard mentally for me. Mm. Um, so I realized that I just couldn't handle it. So I realized that what I needed to do was I needed to make videos for reels. Yes, And everything I made was for reels. And then I would just paste that same file and upload it up on TikTok and not change a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I would change, maybe I would add like the TikTok robot voice. I would, the only modifications I would make were ones that would take me five minutes or less to make. Yes, yes. And I did that and that way I wouldn't mind if it flopped because I didn't put that much effort, any extra effort into it. Yeah, same here. By doing that consistently for a year, I managed to grow on TikTok from like, I think 20K to uh, I think I'm at 800k now. And wow. I have, not, I have not put any extra effort in, into TikTok aside from just 
cross-posting and changing, making very minor edits. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice because the last time I checked, which wasn't that long ago, you were maybe under 100K, maybe last year, <laughs> which is crazy. So th that's pretty awesome. Well, but a question though, did you see any difference in terms of like brand deals or was there any opportunity for TikTok? Uh, so I do get inquiries from TikTok for brand deals. Um, maybe about as frequently as Instagram, but TikTok, my TikTok brand deals pay significantly less mm. um, because um, TikTok followers are not worth as much as Instagram followers. So I feel like you know, a million Instagram followers is a lot bigger than a million TikTok followers. I feel like I would need like five or 10 million TikTok followers to be the equivalent of a million Instagram followers. Right. So I, you know, um, but I've been hearing from other influencers or create creators that TikTok money is starting to catch up. Mm -hmm. It hasn't for me generally. It's, it's, uh, but I do get discovered sometimes for brands from TikTok as well. I see. Another thing is also because what you said with the go viral or flop system on uh, TikTok, it's very hard for companies to pay a set rate um, and then have it flop completely in terms of reach. And if they don't get to repurpose that content, let's say they don't get to whitelist it or they don't get usage wise, right. then it's just a total waste of money for them. And it's a waste of time for the creator putting so much effort into something yes. that didn't even get seen. So exactly. that's like one downside for brand deals on TikTok right now. But I do see that uh, whitelisting is more, more common on TikTok yes. because of that problem of the flops. So whitelisting is more popular on TikTok than on Instagram for that reason. Yeah. And that's really good news for smaller creators because you can really differentiate yourself by making really quality content. And then the company will put paid media whitelisting behind it. And yes. they don't care as much about your number of followers. I've actually seen that happen a lot with my TikTok creator friends who are heavily focused in creativity or VFX. Um, those kind of creators tend to get pretty well-paid brand deals because they also give them whitelisting rights. And then from there, you know, it's worthwhile for them. And speaking of that viral and flop algorithm, it's, uh, I think it's just because they are very, very smart about their algorithm. Yes. When you are just starting up as a newer platform, you want to get people hooked first. And so they use this like anybody can go viral, even if it's like a normal average um, yes. content doing nothing, you can go viral. And so you get people hooked first. It's like gambling. People are throwing yes. random shit out there and then gambling, hoping that one of them will go viral because the system will reward gamblers. They won't yes. necessarily reward hard workers who are always consistent, although you Usually it does because you're like, you're taking a chance. Yes. And if your stuff is significantly better, one of those will go really viral. And so it's that's the that's a very interesting thing about the TikTok algorithm. TikTok does feel a lot more like gambling. When you post a TikTok, it feels more like gambling than on Instagram. Yeah. And so you get more dopamine when you're on that platform. And so you're much more willing to leave Instagram to go and post on TikTok because you feel more rewarded. But if you look at the overall reach, you actually get less reach on your own audience when you after you build a following on TikTok relative to Instagram, where it's like reasonably stable, even though it's kind of decreasing over the years. Um, but if I were to make one prediction, I do think that TikTok is like Newfoundland right now. It's like when America was first founded and then people had the gold rush and everyone was doing the American dream and getting rich. And now it's becoming more and more social. Uh, well, in the future, TikTok will become more socialist and it'll be more like Europe where everybody just kind of gets some views and then very few of them actually go like super viral. And it's just the evolution of platforms. I think creators just have to be aware of that and stop chasing like quick highs and not have substance to back it up. 
It's yeah. exhausting, isn't it? Keeping up with all the <laughs> yes. different platforms. Yes, yeah. it is. Although the, the good thing is now all the, because of TikTok, actually, all these platforms know that short form vertical video is the future yes. and they cannot ignore it any longer. And so now it's actually significantly easier to create a piece of content and grow on all different platforms. Yes. So that's kind of a beauty that came out of it as well. Yes. Yeah. Make, make a vertical video once and then post it everywhere. Yeah. And then can I ask you, how has um, your work or um, your approach on creative work changed ever since you kind of went from a marketer to influencer? Do you enjoy your work significantly more? Yes. <laughs> and for so I guess since you've been working with a lot of brand deals and then now you're at this point where you're very comfortable, this is actually came from like a private conversation where I was um, wallowing in my self-pity and drowning myself with stress and then Karen really nicely hopped on a call and kind of like gave me some advice you mentioned that you are in a very comfortable like mental space right now like yes. how, what were the some of the struggles and then how did you actually get here to be like I'm happy with the work I produce I'm okay if let's say Instagram disappears tomorrow okay um okay so many so many levels to that so I think you know, in my career, I have been tempted by many things by trying to uh, be a startup founder and try to like get super rich by being a startup founder, then like trying to feel super legit by being an agency founder. And I think a lot of those things are like chasing what society defines as success. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, one of the other definitions of success <laughs> And society is having a lot of Instagram followers. But I think what you need to chase or what you need to pay attention to is like what is giving you enjoyment and what is giving you energy. The best yes. piece of advice I ever got uh, from my therapist slash coach was to pay attention to what gives me energy and what drains my energy. Yeah. And I realized like, oh, actually all this like managing stuff, employees, all this stuff is really draining my energy. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even having any energy level for creative stuff. And what gives me energy, I know it's coming up with new ideas and making them. It's so simple. Yeah. Uh, that's what gives me energy. It's different for everyone. Um, and I feel like my job today, I get to spend 90% plus of my time doing what I enjoy. Like, that's amazing. I remember... At the beginning of my career, when I worked for Microsoft, I got a bad performance review. My manager was like, oh, I got some peer feedback, you know, when they have like anonymous feedback. Yeah. And the feedback was like, Karen needs to understand that there are parts of everyone's job that they don't enjoy. <laughs> Basically, it was like, grow up. Yeah, yeah. Be more mature, you know. And I was thinking like, well, yes, that's true. But like at that time, it was like 90% things I didn't enjoy and 10% things I enjoyed. Right. Mm. And then. Over the course of this 10 years of like trying every different career path and trying everything, like I feel like I've flipped that ratio. And now I'm almost my entire job, I'm doing the work that I enjoy. And yeah. it's like, I would trade, I would do this if I made a 10th as much money. Like yeah. I would, you know, like, you know, hopefully that's not going to happen. Hopefully <laughs> I, I can still like keep my no. level of income, you know, but um, I have to, for me personally, I have to enjoy what I do. That is how I'm going to be able to have longevity in my career. Yes. Your second question about being less worried about Instagram going away. So I think I have a deep, deep fear of being irrelevant. Mm. I'm always like, irrelevancy is just around the corner. My stuff is trendy today and not tomorrow. And that's just the, and I think people feel it more than ever with TikTok, the way mm. TikTok will make people stars and then throw them away. 
That's true. Uh, you know, a month later. So I feel this less now. And the reason is because it's now based off the strength of my relationships with clients. Mm-hmm. So the more you can do, if you do branded content, if you do client work, the more you can get business that's repeat business, you know you're doing a good job if you're getting repeat, repeat business. If your clients yes. come back to you time and time again, then those are people who remember you and they want you to create content. And it's not going to matter if your engagement goes down by 10% or 30% or even 50%. Like they know you, they trust you, they hire you because they they want you. And more and more now my work is based off of relationships and that's just something that I've built over the years. So it takes a lot of time to do. But once you have that, like humans are a lot less fickle than algorithms. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just keep my clients happy and keep those as re- repeat clients. And yeah. if Instagram goes away, well, there's going to be another social media platform and those people will think, oh, we should hire her again. Yeah. Um, so I feel a little le- a little more stable now. But of course, I'll always fear irrelevancy. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm the same as you. Like irrelevancy, this whole thing, or even like being canceled, which is kind of scary. But mm-hmm. I hope we never say anything insensitive that might get us canceled. But I also feel like, oh, if I don't show up for two weeks, like, will people forget about me? Um, but what I kind of realized over the last month or two where I kind of scaled back how much I showed up is that your core audience is still always going to be there. It's kind of like your relationship is with the uh, brand partners that you know very well or the marketers. My relationship is the ones that with my core audience who have always been there and always watched my stuff. And even when sometimes my stuff is more like a filler post, it's not super exciting. They will still be like, yes, Tina. <laughs> they're, <laughs> so, they're so great. They're just very supportive. But also because I'm trying to always pour more into what, what can I share with them or how can I encourage them as well? Um, so I feel like that's a very good point about relationships being stronger yes. um, and less fickle than algorithms. So build yes. strong relationships with people in whatever aspect you want to focus on and then also have hard skills that you can take away with you to any platform because that will help you go very, very far. Yes, the creators, I will say, the creators who um, have video editing skills, shooting skills, storytelling skills, Yes, you're going to be fine, even yeah. if the algorithm screws you over. Like, you're going to be fine because you, you'll be able to get so many different jobs mm-hmm. with that. And frankly, like, companies can hire you in different ways. You don't need to worry. The ones who need to worry are the ones who are just, like, they're just hot and they're posing with the product. They're just taking a picture. <laughs> like, them... Like, they got to worry a little bit more about if the algorithm changes <laughs> on Um, Okay. So then I would love to know, like, in the near future, what are some of your plans right now? Um, let's see. So in the near future, um, I just want to focus on doing really good work. Mm-hmm. I really believe that, like, if I just focus, have that one focus, everything else will follow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I want to do, um, I want to do like innovative work. I want to do stuff that's like new ideas, stuff that hasn't been done before using new technology in creative ways. And so right now I'm doing a bunch of experiments and what I've decided myself is that I really need to spend more time on personal projects and not let client projects swallow all of my time as much Mm -hmm. as I love, I genuinely love doing branded work. So I do so much of it, but like then I'm not spending the time to like really experiment and explore right. and make mistakes because with once it's a branded 
client project, the stakes are too high for me to make mistakes. But on my right. own personal projects, I can make as many mistakes as I want. If I, it yes. doesn't turn out good, I just won't post. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I love that. Although I have to say, in your case, when you do branded content, it almost always feels like your own content anyway, because <laughs> you literally breathe your own creativity and style into it, and. It's just like the brand gets to tag along with what Karen got to create. It's, it kind of feels like that, and I think that's great brand association for the people who work with you. And so I just wanted to say that and commend you on that. So, oh, well, thank you. I, I do really appreciate that I can put out branded content without it feeling like off-brand. Yeah, yeah. And then in the longer-term future, where do you think you'll go with this? I don't know. I don't think that far ahead. I don't. I really don't think more than like six months to a year ahead. Wow. But um, you know, honestly, at this point in time, I just hope I can keep this going for as yeah. long as I can because yeah. I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, and so I I that's that's it really. I mean, at some point, I'll probably either get tired of it or be forced to change. Yes. Um, and I'm and I don't know when that's gonna be, but I'm just gonna. Milk, milk what I have while I got it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was having a conversation with another uh, influencer friend who's been in this field for I think ten years, and she's more like a blogger. And if when she started out, and she basically told me she's like, you know, every year I wonder if this will continue into the next year, and every year it just gets better. And so for anybody listening out there, and you're like, oh my god, it's too late, it's too saturated. I actually would like to argue that with TikTok um, and with you know different ways to sh- create and showcase content on all of the platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, even Snapchat, if you care, um, it's really the best time to start now because um, you would probably look back years from now and be like, damn, like why did I think it was too saturated? Because it's still getting better. And- yeah, I think probably everyone who's gotten big recently probably thought it was too late when they started. Um, And I will say, like, you know, I don't know about all industries, but I know about mine. And I think that there is, in my my niche, which I would say is, like, creative content creators, videographers, editors, there is an extreme shortage of content creators who are professional, who have a decent following, I'm going to say like 10K followers, you know, 20K followers, you don't even need that many, Um, uh, who can create great branded content, who are reliable. There is an extreme shortage of those people. And so the ones who are those things are cleaning up and getting so many opportunities. Um, I was just in a group DM the other day where we're talking about how like every celebrity right now is like trying to hire these people these people in-house to work for them because everyone's waking up that they like need these people so many content creators are getting job offers to go full-time somewhere and many of them don't want to take it because they have a better gig by being independent so yes I really see like there is a scarcity of this type of creator so if you Mm -hmm. think you can be that creator I'm telling you there's room yes yes so well said I'm so glad you said that Thank you so much for joining us today on this this super insightful chat. Um, I feel like it's honestly there's a, a f- only a few people I probably would have these kinds of conversations with about like Same, directions of platforms <laughs> and then the trifecta and all of that. But this was a great conversation, and I really hope that everyone listening could take something away from this conversation as well. So thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for having me, Tina. <laughs> thank you. 
Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.